0: Intellectual virtues may seem like the stuffy ideas of ancient times, but cultivating the core values of curiosity, integrity, humility, and tenacity can help people thrive today. And during this era of pandemic misinformation, these virtues can help decipher the truth. How does society benefit when we nurture these intellectual virtues? And how does UCI's Anteater Virtues Project help students thrive no matter what they're studying? From the University of California, Irvine, I'm Aaron Orlowski, and you're listening to the UCI Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Duncan Pritchard, who is a distinguished professor of philosophy at UCI and the director of the Center for Knowledge, Technology, and Society. He's also the director of the Anteater Virtues Project. Professor Pritchard, thank you for joining me today on the UCI Podcast. Uh, Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So you've created this online course, the Anteater Virtues Project for UCI students, and it focuses on four core intellectual virtues, curiosity, integrity, intellectual humility, and intellectual tenacity. But the value of these virtues extends beyond students. So for people who are not in college or they already graduated college, why is it worth it to try and study and internalize these virtues?
1: These intellectual virtues, they're a subset of a, a broader class of virtues. And going back to ancient ancient Greece, in fact, uh, although you, you find similar sets of virtues in Eastern traditions as well, the idea is that these character traits uh, are crucial to a good life, a life of flourishing, as it's known, a eudaimonia, the Greeks called it. So this isn't uh, a good life in the sense of, you know, a happy, happy life necessarily, but a life like a worthwhile life, a, a life of living the sort of the best life you can live sort of thing. And the intellectual virtues, they're just the intellectual aspect of this. There are moral and practical virtues too. But the thought is there are certain kinds of character traits, uh, like the four that you just mentioned, the four that we're focusing on, which uh, which are especially important to to human flourishing. So the, so the idea is that they're practically useful. So they're, you know, the most transferable skills that you could ever hope to have, whatever problems or challenges you face in your life, whatever subject matters you're studying or your subject matters you're engaging with your work, these things will be practically useful. But the thought is that they're more than just practically useful. They're useful for their own sake, the good things to have for living a, a good life. And what we're trying to do at uh, UCI is focus specifically on the intellectual virtues because we think that they're the ones that are most essentially tied to learning.
0: These virtues are essentially part of learning learning not just what to think, but how to think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's really key. We increasingly have a, quite a narrow view of education, where we're just sort of teaching people very quite specific sets of facts and expertise, very subject matter orientated. And obviously, there's a place for that. You know, if you want to learn engineering, there are lots of things which are specific to engineering that you need to learn in order to be an engineer. and if you want to learn biology, lots of things specific to biology you need to learn and so on. But there are certain kinds of general learning strategies that you really have to internalize if you're going to be the, the person who will flourish intellectually. And that's what the intellectual virtues are about. They're, they're not specific to any subject matter. Although, as it happens, philosophers, uh, you know, we've ended up being the ones pushing the case for them. But you, <laughs> you have lots of people, lots of different walks of life, I mean, educational theorists and psychologists and so on. Lots of people see the merit of these of these traits their special value. And and their value precisely lies in in the fact that they're they they're not they're not narrow they're not specific to any particular task or subject matter or anything like that they're entirely general uh, intellectual traits.
0: Well, let's break these down a little bit and you know look at the the four of them in a bit more detail starting um, with curiosity. What what does that mean and uh, how do we apply that to our daily lives?
1: We chose all four because we thought they were core to uh, sort of university intellectual mission and curiosity is probably the most obvious one on that list in that regard because any kind of intellectual endeavor you need to have curiosity uh, and we're thinking of curiosity as a virtue is is more than just for example asking questions or something like that it's a, a certain kind of character trait where you're as it were asking the right questions in the right kind of way. Uh, and th- this is what one thing we cover in the course. All the virtues and the intellectual virtues are no different. They they lie between two vices: a vice of excess and a vice of deficiency. So a vice of not having enough of it and a vice of having too much of it. And curiosity is the same as that. So you can be overly curious. You know, you can be, you know, ask questions which are irrelevant, you can, you know, ask pointless questions and so on. Mm. And you can also have the vice of deficiency where you're just not curious at all. And part of what it is to master the virtue of curiosity is to have that drive to find things out, but to have it in a proportionate way and to be responsive to the things that you need to be responsive to in order to reach your intellectual goals. This is what's called the golden mean. It's, it's navigating your way between these two vices, and that's how you master a virtue.
0: And so what about integrity? Is it possible to uh, have too much of that? You know,
1: that's a really interesting question. So some people worry that, uh, that something like integrity isn't quite a virtue for that reason, because virtues lie between two vices. But I think to think like that is, is to equate integrity, which is quite a sophisticated trait, I think, with something a bit more pedestrian, something like honesty. Probably you can't have too much of honesty, or or if honesty just means telling the truth anyway. But integrity is more sophisticated than that. I think it's it's a trait about how you treat others, about you know how you treat ideas, Give you an example, we live in a very much a social media Twitter age. And I think one of the things you see there a lot when people engage with one another, they don't engage with each other in good faith. Hmm. Uh, you know, they misrepresent other people, knowingly misrepresent them. You know, they try and twist their words, they try and take their words out of context and so on. And I think part of what it is to have intellectual integrity is not to do that. It's kind of like a duty to yourself, right? So it's a kind of honesty, but it's also a kind of honest and open dealings with others. Kind The traits that underlie that, you can't have them to excess. You could be pedantic, uh, nitpicking and so on. That wouldn't be a sign of having excessive amounts of integrity. It would just be a sign you've got the vice of excess here. The virtue is sort of being proportionate in this, Uh, you know, not just drilling down on details for their own sake, uh, not being nitpicking for their own sake or pedantic, but trying to be charitable. So on the one hand, don't misrepresent people, but don't try and represent people in an authentic way to an extent where, in a sense, you're also misrepresenting them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where integrity lies. So I think this is quite important. The way we, we teach it. it, it isn't just about you. So one way of thinking about integrity is just a kind of honesty or something, just about your your own dealings with you know your own attitude to yourself. But it's also, I think, importantly about other people and how you deal with them in an intellectual way. How you know, respect for others, respect for their opinions dealing with people charitably and so on, trying to understand where they're coming from, understand their reasons and so on. We, we treat all of those things as being part of what it is to, to have intellectual integrity. Mm-hmm. Of course, we in a university context, we also tie this into issues about academic misconduct and plagiarism and so on, because there's a practical side to this. One has to learn what it is to, to avoid plagiarism and so on when you're, when you're a student. But we try and build that into a broader a broader moral about what is it to have integrity.
0: Well, what about intellectual humility? What, what does that mean in this context? So we we picked humility, intellectual
1: humility, and intellectual tenacity together um, because we think they make an interesting pairing. Intellectual hu- humility, I think, is apt to be misunderstood. I think a lot of people might think of humility as a kind of downgrading of oneself. It's like a lack of intellectual self-esteem or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not how we're thinking of it. Uh, as a virtue, intellectual humility is... Very much related to these traits I just mentioned with uh, integrity, and that's not an accident. All all the intellectual virtues are are interrelated. To be intellectually humble is to be aware of one's limitations, intellectual limitations, and therefore not to be dogmatic or overestimate one's abilities. But it's also to have an openness to others in one's dealing with others, so receptiveness to other people's ideas, not just to be dismissive of them. And I think it it reveals itself in a, in a, a lack of intellectual arrogance. Uh, arrogant people don't don't listen to others. You know, sometimes even if you know you know more about something than someone else, you know, there's something to be said for having respect for their opinions and listening careful to carefully to them and engaging with them hmm. and not being um you know, not being haughty about it, even if you know that you do know more about this. And I think this is intellectual humility on display. What it reveals is a kind of is a love for the truth, a care and concern for the truth, and thereby a care and concern for reasons. And for other people and other people and their reasons, you know, other people as intellectual subjects, we paired this with tenacity because, you know, I think a lot of people might think antecedently that humility and tenacity are sort of intention with one another. So tenacity is about having a kind of grit, you know, conviction and so forth, seeing things through. And I think it's tempting to think that, you know, to be humble is, uh, is to lack conviction. Uh, and conversely, to have conviction, to have grit is is not to be humble. One of the things we try and do is show how actually these two things go together, Uh, you can have conviction and follow through on your opinions and so forth, whilst at the same time respecting the opinions of others. You know, respecting other people's opinions, listening to others, having intellectual care for others is not the same thing as giving up your own opinions. And I think that's that's very important. I think it's something that's actually got lost in the sort of social media age, where it's often seen that the, you know, the mere fact that you're listening to someone, engaging with someone is seen as a kind of a kind of abnegation of your. Of your convictions, uh, so that's why we paired them. We think, especially in intellectual context, it's important for people to see how these two virtues can coexist with one another.
0: Well, it seems like a lot of these essentially compel a person to slow down and consider both their own reasons for believing something and the reasons someone else might believe in in something. And and these are things that we could really use in society at large to help us overcome. Some of the more challenging situations that we face today, um, especially the the COVID-19 pandemic, which we're uh, more than a year into it and and folks are getting vaccinated. Um, But there's still a lot of misinformation about both the COVID-19 pandemic and about vaccines themselves. So what do you think these virtues could do to help us overcome and sort of finally beat this pandemic?
1: Yeah, so I think they're, they're they're certainly necessary for dealing with uh, misinformation in the information age. This is one of the the problems we face, you know, in contemporary society, that um we're susceptible to groupthink and we're susceptible to sort of silos of thought and so forth, where you know people aren't listening to one another, people are arguing past one another. And sometimes it doesn't really matter that much, not a lot of hangs on these things, but other times, you know, things of great consequence hang on it. And I think when it comes to issues like vaccine take up and uh, masks there in a pandemic and so forth misinformation can become quite dangerous and you you need the virtues to to navigate this kind of environment i mean that's how you as an individual deals with it i think we we also need structural solutions to these problems but you as an individual i think you can it helps you to deal with it because as you say it helps you to slow down it helps you to reflect mm-hmm. It creates sort of habits of thought. I mean, that's essentially what the virtues are—they're they're character traits, which means that they, over time, they become second nature. They're, they're habitual ways of responding. So you do, when they're working well, you don't even need to think about them. So you'll you'll just find yourself reflecting on the evidence given. You know, not just simply responding emotively to something someone said or being swept up by the rhetoric or what have you, but thinking more carefully about well, what are the reasons for this? How does this relate to other things that I believe, and so forth. And also, you know, like for example, intellectual humility will kick in here. One finds oneself having very strong convictions about things to reflect on whether they're warranted. You know, obviously, we're, we're fallible creatures; we make mistakes. We're apt to be taken in by information that we read. It's important when you're dealing with misinformation to um, to evaluate that information horizontally and not just vertically. So that what that means is you not just verify it by going to the same source or similar sources to verify it, but by going outside the source and getting independent verification. It's very easy not to do that, right? It's very easy, especially in a social media type context, to to get your verification by looking at the very same people who are telling you the original thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So you're not really going outside the loop. To be intellectually virtuous is to be alert to the, the, those kind of factors, and uh, so I think, it uh, from an individual level, it's 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 one way of uh, of insulating yourself against the dangers of misinformation.
0: Well, and so. UCI students uh, have the opportunity to dive really deeply into these virtues through the Anteater Virtues Project. So, tell us the backstory there. What prompted you to launch that project?
1: Well, it's something I've been interested in for a while. I mean, I, I more than that, I've, I've seen firsthand how it's how it's worked in educational projects, uh, not at university level, but uh, in schools and uh, in in prisons actually. So, one project I led back in Scotland was. Uh, running um program for bringing intellectual virtues into prison education and it had massive effects we were completely taken aback by the effectiveness of this uh this program in fact scottish prison education now is completely different as a result it was so effective hmm. seeing how people uh, you know lives could be transformed by uh, having a different sort of educational input into them and similar things have happened in schools actually near here in long beach there are two schools which are have been founded on intellectual virtue lines and they're regarded as um, a sort of cutting edge educational uh, establishment. And it it just struck me, I I was amazed no one had tried to do this, given it's been so effective in schools and in other educational contexts, that it hadn't been done at a university level. So people have brought the virtues into university curricula, but the actual idea of just focusing on the intellectual virtues, that's what interested me, because it seemed to me that's where you get the biggest payoff. You could, you could actually sort of bring that into um, right across the curriculum. So they're not just learning it within the humanities or within a philosophy degree or something like that, but whatever they major, whatever they come to study, that they'll get to engage with intellectual virtues and think more generally about what's an education for. And uh, so that's that's what excited me and that, that's what led to this project.
0: Well, it sounds um, in some ways kind of like a way to push back against the trend that we sometimes see of education focusing solely on specific career outcomes. Um, You know, someone goes to college in order to get a diploma so that they can get a job and and earn money. But getting an education is about more than that. And, you know, the school that you're in, the School of Humanities, focuses a lot on, on growing people as intellectuals. Um, so why do you think it is important to have this balanced approach of learning how to think and learning about the humanities while also gaining these career skills?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's absolutely crucial. We, To be fair, I think most educators, whatever their discipline, they understand this, that education isn't just about teaching a subject matter, but it's about developing the student as a person, you know, developing their intellectual character. But it, it's a case of communicating that to the student. I think it's not always obvious to them that that's really what we're doing. I mean, they, they see courses on their transcript, they see grades. I think it's very natural to think, well, the education is just what I get in the classroom when I'm doing the courses for my major or something like that. And I think this is where the arguments we have to make for the humanities really, they're, they're very straightforward when you think about them. We, we need to see that really the humanities, although it is a division of the university, it is kind of at the heart of a university education. So I mean, what is it to develop someone intellectually you know, as a person that's primarily, it seems to me, the concern of the humanities. So even if it's, it occurs in all educational contexts, it seems that we're doing it in the most direct way. That's why if you can take a project like this and embed it within the curriculum more generally, you can have a large impact. I mean, this is where I think I see what we're doing here, actually, is kind of making explicit what is really already implicit. You know, the UCI education is about developing intellectual character. Uh, it's just we don't cast it that way. We don't present it that way. And I think this project ought to be a way for students to see that's make it explicit to them. That's what that's what they're doing. Hopefully, by making explicit to them, be more effective in in that aim. You know, they'll they'll be more effective learning how to develop themselves intellectually because they're they're aware of what that means. That this is what an education is all about. So I think that's where the humanities fits in here. We need to think of humanities teaching. I think not just the teaching that goes on in humanities courses, but as something which is the, at the heart of of any good educational system at this level.
0: And you'll be actually researching and, and testing to see how this Anteater Virtues project affects students academically. Um, so you'll be studying that. So, But what exactly will you be examining as you're looking at that?
1: We did a, a pilot study um, last year before um, the COVID pandemic, I put everything on hiatus, and uh, we got some very good results there. We, we, what we're looking for is we want to see how students respond. And what you're looking for really is certain kinds of improvements and seeing how those improvements uh, are manifest across all the different demographics. I mean, one thing that's quite well known in um, in studies of this kind is that any educational intervention will tend to have some positive effects. I mean, just in virtue of it being an educational intervention. But what you tend to find, you know, those effects can be quite small and you may find that there—it's just students who ordinarily do well who disproportionately benefit from them. Students who generally don't do quite so well don't benefit. And one thing we were looking for and found in the pilot study is actually the results were—they were quite significant, but also they were stable across all demographics. I mean, uh, not just the—you know—the demographics of whether it's you know male and female, or 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 demographics so sort of academically in terms of their performance, or in terms of you know whether they were underrepresented minorities, for example. So we, we, that's what we're looking for, because we, we want to show this is effective, and it's effective really for everyone. And that's what we found in the pilot. And we, we have a second study, a bigger study, uh, we'll take in more students. This one will have more of a focus on comparing STEM students with humanities students and seeing how there's a, what the comparison is there. So we, we're quite excited about that. It'll be more ex- a more, much more extensive study.
0: Yeah, well, that'll be exciting to see those results when they when they come out. Um, so, but for someone who is not a college student and they're not able to take this Anteater Virtues course, but they really want to start embedding these virtues into their life more, how should they get started?
1: Well, it, it certainly helps if you know what they are, if you can identify <laughs> them, uh, which uh, uh, which is like kind of, that's obviously one thing that we, we do in this project, because I think they, as I say, like with with some of these virtues, integrity, humility, and so on, they're, they're they're a bit more nuanced than they their titles might first appear but but the general idea is a straightforward one. you need to be around virtuous people and I think you know all of us are around such people you know we, there may be teachers or family members or people in one's community I I think usually we can spot them you know people who have they have good character and they're good people to learn from. I mean, this is how, you know, going right back to ancient Greece, Confucius says similar things. By being around people like that, one can learn to emulate them. Their virtues sort of rub off on you. I mean, by the same token, you have to not try to emulate people who clearly have the vices, even though some of those vices might be, in some respects, attractive traits to have, might be fun traits to have, for example, (laughs) but one has to fight against the urge to emulate them. And... It's not just people as well. I think one of the things you can learn from great works of literature, for example, from, from even from films, I think, um, is getting to know certain kind of characters in those and seeing how, you know, a, a very sophisticated interplay of of people and their development. You can learn a lot about uh, what it is to be virtuous just by witnessing the you know character development in that way. I think it's better if it's actual real life people that you're engaging with, but I think you know i think that's one of the things uh, literature can uh, contribute to intellectual development because it it can make vivid you know certain characters and make us see their their value and see the disvalue of other kinds of character traits and so on
0: so don't forget the literature classes and other humanities courses from you know your your high school or your college days bear those in the in the front of your mind
1: Absolutely. In fact, this is one of the next phases for the Antieta Virtues. We're hoping to embed it in a a transformative text type project. So we've got our modules on the virtues, but we'll also have modules devoted to contemporary texts, quite a diverse range of authors as befitting such a diverse campus that we are. So getting people through literature to think about some of these ideas.
0: Professor Pritchard, thank you so much for joining me today on the UCI podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: The UCI Podcast is a production of Strategic Communications and Public Affairs at the University of California, Irvine. Please subscribe to the UCI Podcast wherever you listen.